0: Five. Welcome everyone to the Black Techies podcast, episode two. We're so glad to have you. And today we're going to be talking about a few interesting things that have happened happened in the world of tech last week. Uh, I am uh, I am your host, David, and I am uh, joined here by three outstanding gentlemen. Uh, would you guys care to introduce yourselves?
1: Uh, <laughs> I guess I'll take I'll, I'll, I'll start since I'm the newbie. Um, My name is Herbert Seward. Um, Went to school at Alabama State University. Uh, I currently work in the IT industry and have done everything from information security to SharePoint to information assurance to web design to you name it. Jack of all trades. Um, And gadgets and tech are my hobby. And that ranges from everything from gaming to, to cutting the cord to, again, you name it everything that that has a technical edge to it i like i like having my hands on it so um glad to be on the podcast and um i'm looking forward to chopping it up with everybody
0: all right all right who's next
2: last week. i sell cell phones uh i do this tech thing on a regular that's my it's my passion um i am a huge gamer and mostly pc games and xbox uh yeah that's
0: it <laughs> and uh last but not least we have the man that's only known as shoot
3: <laughs> and yeah hey everybody um uh, i'm shoot i practice sports and entertainment law so i represent clients that uh interact with the technical field a lot and so I am also here to contribute, and I love tech just like everybody else. I'm an Xbox gamer, um, and I do that in my spare time. So I'm glad to be here with everybody.
0: All right, then. So uh, I, I hear that uh, uh, her shout out his his HBCU. I would like to you know shout out to Tennessee State University, uh, best HBCU in the world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. T- <laughs> yes, sir. I'm outnumbered. <laughs> no no, you're good you- you're good i, I got we, we all got love for Alabama state, even though we beat them in the ground the last few years, but you know it's okay though it's okay <laughs> but anyway, can't <laughs> help that but anyways, all right, to get started uh last week was was uh mobile World Congress, and a bunch of new things got announced. Uh, usually that's that's more of the the tablet and smartphone wearable kind of conference it's not like it's not like the consumer electronic show where that kind of focuses on like everything uh this is this is kind of centered on on technolo- on uh, mobile technology so uh, we saw a few things come out uh i mean you know i'll, I'll just put a few out there and we we can just, we can kind of talk about it but uh, let's see starting out uh we had the big announcement by blackberry you know they're coming out with uh the blackberry key one and so if anyone was uh, uh was unfamiliar so last year blackberry came out with the blackberry priv and it was it had it had a few nice nice features but in the end it didn't exactly know light the world on fire so this year blackberry has has partnered or rather they licensed uh, a company called TCL to do all the hardware manufacturing so uh they came out with the key one you know it's basically uh if you combine an android phone and a blackberry bold that's basically what you have (laughs) so uh uh what what you guys think Do do you think that that blackberry can come back from the dead or you know are they are they just dead in the water
1: Honestly, man, as somebody that, um, that has worked with BlackBerry devices uh, directly in my industry, in my line of work, you know, and the clients that I've worked with, um, both private sector and the federal government, um, I think it's going to be harder for them to reach the regular population of mobile users as opposed to staying targeted to that specific demographic. Simply because they're you know they 're so far behind the curve in terms of uh, actually addressing you know those audiences where you know there's not really it 's almost not really an incentive for them to do it anymore, uh, especially since their bread and butter has been you know supporting corporate and, and the government you know like all for like the last decade almost so um, that 's something that be, it's going to be interesting to see but I personally I don't see it. you know there's there's too there's been too much of a time gap in terms of you know the other competition really you know introducing new products and new ways of thinking to mobile to you know mobile computing in general uh, for them to kind of you know close that gap or at least without something really really amazing being introduced to the market um, I mean, I, I maybe I might be mistaken, but that's I mean that's some that's kind of how I see it in terms of you know how people you know what I see on a daily basis in terms of people using mobile devices and and what they use them for and the environments they use them in. So I mean, no, I thought, so go
2: ahead, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so you know, as a consumer device, it's not going to happen. I mean, you got your uh your people that like like Herbert he said he works in information security there's people that have certain levels of need in the security that only uh, that BlackBerry enterprise will really fit. There's people that are still using BlackBerrys uh, that work in the government just because nothing else can secure their phone like like the BlackBerry does. But for the average person, I, I'm telling you as somebody that sells cell phones, every day I walk around and uh, and I talk to people that are buying cell phones and there has not been one person that has even said the word BlackBerry in my store for at least a year. Like somebody might say, oh, I used to have a BlackBerry and I loved it. It's the next best thing to this Apple. But it's just that BlackBerry has fallen too far. But BlackBerry's like the palm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like a lot of good stuff in it back in the day, but nobody, nobody's checking for BlackBerry no more.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, I think it's going to be, it's going to take something really, really earth shattering in terms of a product for them to really, you know, get back into the game, so to speak. As far as mobile devices, it's just, you know, they've been so targeted in terms of, you know, the specific, you know, audiences that they want to reach. I mean, Like it's like they haven't really worried about, you know, regular consumers. Um, they've just been worried about their con- business contracts and the whole nine. So um, I tend the to agree with that assessment. Is,
2: the problem is, in my opinion, there ain't no more earth shattering things to happen anymore. Like everybody, you know, the iPhone happened already. There's nothing else to do. Like oh, that's why all these phones look the same. It's cuz what else can it do? You know
1: what I mean? Well, yeah, I agree. I think some I think some concepts um in like for example, there's a there's um there's a modular phone phone concept that was out. I remember maybe maybe over the last year or so. Um the
2: G5 and the Moto are modular.
1: Yeah. Um, same thing with, um, with the Ubuntu phone project. You know, open source is something that, um, that has been really, you know, people have really been interested to see where that's been going, uh, especially in terms of uh, what Ubuntu has been doing in terms of not just phones, but, you know, tablets and, and you know, just that ecosystem in general. Um, it I mean you've already I mean it's not hasn't really hit the inter, the actual US markets but overseas you know in, I mean in England in France in Germany that's a real demographic you know I mean I, I got a couple of folks that uh, that I work with that travel over there frequently and they see more Ubuntu phones and then they see then they see Blackberry so um, that's something that you know that's really that may be, That may be more the direction that, you know, this type of mobile technology might go.
0: Well, here's the thing about Android. I mean, well, open source, rather, is that, you know, Android is open source. So, I mean, yes, technically you have to license Google's specific apps like the uh, the Play Store, but... I mean, I don't know if platforms like Ubuntu is going to really flourish when you have when you already have Android that's already widely used around the world, and so and actually to that point, that's uh, if you all look at some of the specs of the of the Key One, the BlackBerry Key One, uh, one of the one of the main things that BlackBerry was going for is security because we all know you know. Android phones by themselves aren't as secure as you know maybe iPhone or maybe some other phones out there. But so BlackBerry. Yeah, is trying, that's,
1: an under, that's, an understa- that's an understatement. That's an
0: understatement. You know, I was trying not to start the whole Android iPhone war. So you know, but <laughs> but you know, BlackBerry is trying to BlackBerry is trying to add some of those uh, security features. Like they have the what is it called the the DTEC software on there. So it basically yeah. monitors your phone to see. You know, how secure it is, uh, if it's encrypted, uh, does it it have a secure password and all of that. So uh, I I know that, uh, I think Dominique said that, you know, they're kind of (laughs) aiming for that government corporate market. But I think people who might be security conscious might see a market in this. And honestly, I mean, I don't really see anyone really doing that. Maybe Samsung, but outside of Samsung, I don't really see any people, anybody really... Focusing on securing Android as a platform, not even Google, really. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but.
1: Well, I, I, tend, I tend. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry, man. No, no, no. I'm down. Go ahead. No, I, I mean, I was going to say I, I tend to agree. Uh, but I think um, in saying that, I, I think that a lot of times folks the conflict that comes with, you know, people that really use Android, I'm one of them, you know, I'm on an Android, I'm on a Samsung Android phone right now, <laughs> um, is that, you know, the, the sacrifice has to be there, whether it's security or the freedom of being open source. And that is the real challenge for a lot of Android users that, you know, don't want to sacrifice one or the other. Um, in a, like in the environment that I normally, that we both know work in, you know, Dave, you know, uh, the environment you're working is pretty, you know, is pretty restrictive sometimes, most times, uh, same with mine, you know, and it, those, those questions as consumers or as users in that environment really don't come up that much because you got specific, you know, standards that you got to meet in terms of security and in terms of, you know, how to really, really limit the access to information. Um, the consumer doesn't necessarily have to weigh those options if they don't necessarily want to. Now you got some consumers that, yeah, absolutely, security is a really big thing, you know, especially in these days. But you got, you know, just as many consumers that are more interested in the freedom that the platform offers as opposed to the security. So sometimes that that can be a real conflict. Um, I mean, and that's something that. Uh, for Apple users, that's you know, I mean, it, they they don't have to deal with it as much, just because of the uniqueness of the of the environment that you know Apple really presents as mobile users. But that's still a factor for them also, you know. Um, that's just a That's just an unfortunate byproduct of you know the decisions that you know folks that use these platforms have to make on a daily basis. Most, consu- most consumers aren't really, you know... They, I mean, if if they can get done what they need to get done on a regular basis daily and it's easier for them to do, then that's cool. As long as something doesn't really impede that.
0: Yeah, I mean... I'm, I'm hoping that this kind of... Uh, I don't know, spearheads or kind of start some kind of focus on security for Android users. Uh, because like you said, with iPhone... Like iPhone users don't really have to worry about that. For the most part, I mean, for example, whenever you put a password on your iPhone, it automatically encrypts the entire device. So uh, you don't you can't now you can do that with with Android, but you have to set that up. You have to actually set that up or I think it's a setting that you have to check mark or something. But that, that, you know, that kind of auto protection, auto encryption, you know, most people don't care. Don't I won't say they don't care about that, but most people wouldn't think to do that. The average user isn't going to go and encrypt their device. They wouldn't really know to do that. So I think it's kind of up to these manufacturers to really focus on security. It's like the first thing. Like when you're making a device, make that the first thing and then build everything on top of that. So I'm hoping maybe <laughs> that more of the Android OEMs get, you know, get on the ball when it comes to security
1: yeah uh as a as a systems administrator i, I agree with you wholeheartedly <laughs> because uh, uh that's a that's a real challenge that I know I face in in my job on a daily basis and yeah. that's something that really um can you hear me yeah 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 sorry about that um, and that's something that uh you know again that's a real challenge you know that's something that Uh, that users in those environments where you have those parameters are going to fight it or fighting for every day, you know? So um, I know me personally, and again, not to really inflame the Apple Android war (laughs) anymore, but as an administrator, that's something that, especially with Apple users that want to, you know, really introduce those products into, into enterprise environments that, how can I put it, aren't really Apple friendly which is like 98% of them. <laughs> so it's a challenge because you have to really, in order to get the functionality that you that you want for your user base, you have to jump through a lot of hoops. And you got to, whether it's third-party applications, whether it's, you know, setting specific types of settings for your servers or, or what have you, um, that is something that has, you know, that has really been a challenge. Um, particularly with the nature of integration that we have today with cloud integration for, you know, you know the, the Windows Azure environment and in some cases some of the Amazon platforms, um, that is a, that's been a real challenge. So that is, um, you know, I think that's the other thing that needs to be considered, um, uh, at least on some level. Like I said, the, the regular consumer isn't really isn't really looking at though, you know, the regular consumer is looking for. Okay, yeah, I'm worried about security, but I'm also worried about convenience of use, and that's uh, that's really what what it boils down to.
0: Well, speaking of convenience of use, actually, so with the key one, uh, just just to just to kind of get on, on on some of the specs, uh, I mean, it's not necessarily you know a high end phone as far as like processing power. It has a Snapdragon
2: 625. I say it again. I said it's got last year's Snapdragon in it. It's trash.
0: Well, uh, well, I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, it's a business phone for the most part, so it's not necessarily trying to be the most powerful out there. But I, th- I mean, I think it has a few things that are kind of noteworthy. Like, for example, like uh, the keyboard, you can assign keyboard shortcuts for each letter. So if you press the letter F, it'll open up Facebook, or if you press I, it'll open up Instagram or something. And uh, also on the security front, also. One, it comes with Android seven point one Nougat, and uh, BlackBerry has promised to keep up with Google's monthly security updates. So I will say that's one thing that OEMs can do. They don't necessarily have to upgrade to the next version of Android immediately, although that would be nice. But at least keep up with Google's security updates so that uh, so that users can still you know be safe, even if they're not you know upgraded to Android seven or eight or or you know. Uh, So forth and so on. So I'm hoping that at least that way, (laughs) that might be a way of uh, of keeping up with security. But uh, let's see. Moving on, you guys might have heard of of a little company called Nokia. Uh, They came out with with a few new phones. Uh, Let's see. They came out with these uh, mid-range phones uh, called the Nokia 3, 5, and 6. So they actually took the same route that BlackBerry did. And they licensed their hardware out to a third party company called HMD Global. And so they so HMD Global is the one that's actually coming out with these phones with the Nokia branding on them. And so they're not uh I mean, they're mid range they're mid range. They do have the latest version of Android, uh Uh but you know, for the most part, you know, they're not anything spectacular. They're they're really more of a they do they do the the mid range thing really well, and so I guess they seem to be kind of testing the market to see if people are willing to invest in Nokia again. Um, because I mean, you know, Nokia was really big before Android, and so I don't know. I wonder if Nokia can can make a make the comeback because there's a, there's another phone that they're coming out with, but we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> that kind of appeals to us uh, old school people. But uh, you know, you all you all uh, believe in Nokia. Just so like one me.
3: thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I thought you were finished. No, no,
0: I am. Yeah, I, I am. I am. So with
3: the, the Nokia, I uh, that was one thing that I, I highlighted to talk about because there's a few things that I think that they may be able to grasp with the market. I know we mentioned about BlackBerry is kind of you know geared towards a certain demographic of people that are looking for security. Those in you know dealing with government contracts or high you know security clearance that are need to make sure their information is protected. But with the Nokia, I think they have an opportunity to secure a demographic with older people. Um, they don't necessarily want a smartphone or have a need for a smartphone. Um, and then younger people um, where parents may not want to give their child a smartphone. Um, I know like from my daughter's three and she already has a smart watch where she can call us. And so, you know, it's already looking at how we're going to limit her exposure to different things. And even though I know that the, the new Nokia still has, you know, the, the opportunity to get on the, the internet and different things like that, I think it, it kind of limits what you can do as opposed to, you know, all out smartphone. So I think that they may be able to kind of grasp, like I said, those two demographics and, and build their way back in it. But I don't think it's ever going to, you know, raise, raise they're not going to be at the level that they once were. Uh.
1: Well, um, I'm going to make a confession here. <laughs> I was one of those, uh, one of those excitable Nokia Windows phone users that, okay. uh yeah <laughs> when um when you know I, you know as a windows guy you know i was naturally excited to see nokia you know take dive headfirst into into the operating system and the and the environment mm-hmm. uh, of course you know they really paid for it like really paid for it <laughs> so um it, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they you know whether or not they're going to come back from it um and that's not really necessarily a knock on the on the operate on the Windows, you know, operating system. It's just that Windows wasn't really interested in, and in, and working, you know, and working really above board with third parties. And that's what that's what killed the mobile the mobile, you know, operating system, at least in my opinion. Um, uh, I mean, uh, and for you know, for some of us, and I think Dave is probably going to touch on this, and you know, once he starts. Uh, talking more about, you know, what Nokia has coming down the pike. But I think they're trying to get back to that demographic um, by reintroducing some classics. Um, primarily as a way to kind as a as a means of trying to recover that, uh, that trust that they kind of lost when, you know, when they kind of abandoned the platform uh, and the investment that they made with, you know, with the Windows Mobile, you know, infrastructure. So, uh that's going to be again it's going to be interesting to see whether or not nokia is going to get the u s audiences back now the overseas audiences, they, they never really went anywhere 's been a giant you know outside the u s market for a long time and it's something that regardless of what they do you know Europe is going to see Nokia just like they see Vodafone or or somebody else um they you know they've been so ingrained and established over there that um, they can, they can, you know, they can, you know, uh, have a couple of slip ups and, and and really not, you know, you know, miss a beat. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that how that works out.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, actually, I guess that kind of leads into the next one. So, in addition to those phones, you know, the uh, Nokia is taking it old school. You know, they're bringing back the 3310, the brick, the one that if you threw it into the sky and it fell into into some concrete, it would just you know walk it off like a boss. So, <laughs> yeah. so you know that I mean you know <laughs> I won't lie, it's kind of cute and it, you know it, the the nostalgia factor in me kind of is interested in getting one. It's only like fifty dollars, but I like you said, I think this is a way for Nokia to kind of bring back that trust and bring back those people who are really invested into the Nokia ecosystem. And to be fair, I honestly think Nokia has some of the best smartphones as far as like build quality. Even even the Windows phones, the Lumia phones are really good as far as build quality cameras. They were known for that camera. And so I, I'm hoping that maybe this is a way for them to kind of ease back into the American psyche of, of Nokia phones. Because I remember back in 2003, you know, uh, I, I was a freshman in college. I know I'm, I'm all young and everything. So I was a freshman in, in, in college back in 03. And I remember having that, that Nokia with T-Mobile prepaid. And so <laughs> that was my one phone playing Snake. And actually, even on the new one, you can actually play Snake on the new phone. So 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 you know they're trying to bring back that nostalgia to the millennial generation, I guess. I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to to make inroads with with the new crowd with you know nowadays people have you know Android phone and iPhones and stuff, so I don't know if people are gonna really go back to a dumb phone you know text using t nine instead of an actual keyboard so
1: yeah i don't I don't think i, I mean I've already had some run-ins with with some of my younger colleagues, as <laughs> I mean, talking about this, and you know, the first reaction was, um, "Yeah, so what does it do again?" And that was the extent of it. <laughs> so, I think, I think really, yeah, it's a very, it's a very, you know, targeted gamble. They're targeting targeting a specific demographic of users that you know, really love the nostalgia of that of that shellback phone and they're really counting on them to, you know, just get in their feelings and 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 say, okay, well let's let's give Nokia another chance and see and see what else they can come up with. Now as far as the specs on the phone, it's yeah, it's I mean, it's barely good enough to be an emergency phone in, you know, in your car. <laughs> I mean that's kinda that's kinda where the specs are at. You know, you can run snake with no problem but you know in terms of texting capability you know you can do the bare minimum there's none no of the yeah or no fi none of the really none of the of the real basic you know amenities that you know regular smartphones even on the low end have today so um like i said i think Nokia is taking a real chance in the US market and introducing that because they're again they're playing they're on that on that nostalgia angle so um. Yeah, I, I wish them luck because <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to get younger crowds to to really embrace that because you know there's just so much, so much functionality that isn't there that you know the millennial generation is just used to as a on, on the norm on a regular basis. So uh, it's gonna be re- like I said, it's gonna be really interesting to see that that clash of. <laughs> that clash of generations in terms of in terms of you know really looking at this device and and looking at how nokia is really presenting it so
0: all right so the uh i guess let's see what time is it eight i think the last thing maybe last thing uh i mean it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a quite a few things that i saw at uh at mobile world congress that i kind of wanted to touch on but uh we have to we can't talk about mobile world congress unless we talk about lg so As you all know, last year, LG came out with the G5, and they tried the whole modular smartphone thing where you could take the bottom of the phone out, you know, take the battery out, and then you could replace it with what they call friends. And so, but unfortunately not a lot of people really took to that and uh they they seem to have had problems regarding build quality particularly that seam where the where the the removable bottom meets the the main part of the phone and also like the the paint job on the phone was was kind of kind of shady so uh there were a few videos that were put out that showed people kind of scratching the paint off uh and lg they they tried to do damage control with that but Uh, apparently it didn't work so this year they're like all right you know we're not going to do the whole modular thing we're just going to go back to the basics and we're just going to create a really good solid high-end phone and so this year they're you know they're coming out with the g6 uh is basically all screen i mean there's no home button the only buttons you have are on the side the volume keys and the power button that's it and they have this big 5.7 inch quad hd screen uh which actually has an interesting ratio has an 18 by 9 ratio uh which is a little bit more than the 16 by 9 ratio that most smartphones have and so uh while it does allow you to have more content on the screen at the same time uh you might see some black bars when you know when you're watching videos or whatnot uh what else um it has the snapdragon 821 cpu and you know, I was hoping it would have the A35, but but from what I hear, Samsung bought most of them, <laughs> so uh, I don't know. So it's like you know, there's a there's a supply chain gap uh, for you know uh, for other OEMs to get it. But uh, I mean, that said, the A21 isn't a slouch. So, I mean, the Pixel has it, and this I mean, from what I hear, is pretty good. Um has a, a 13 megapixel wide en- wide angle camera. Actually, has dual. I'm sorry, dual 13 megapixel wide angle cameras. Uh, the last last year's uh, G5 only had one wide angle, so this time, uh, I guess you know it, it allows you to really get those wide shots and uh, with some with some clarity. Uh, has Android 7.0 Nougat out the box, and probably the one of the most uh the finding features of it is that it ha- it comes with Google Assistant. So um, you know, we're we're in, in the middle of the the Assistant Wars with Siri, Google Assistant and Alexa, and now Bixby with Samsung way down the line. I don't know who names their assistant Bixby, but whatever. <laughs> uh, so I won't lie. This this looks like a very attractive phone. And if I was switching back to Android, I would consider it uh although I would probably consider the the new pixel first, but this is i think in my opinion, I think it's a very compelling phone. I think that as far as I think it'll do well as far as competing with the high end but you know you got the samsung galaxy s eight uh coming out this year, so i don't know do you guys think l g can can steal the steal the limelight from samsung and and Google <laughs> nope.
2: So, uh, I, uh, like I said, I sell them and it's a, it's a hard sell to get somebody to buy something that's not a Samsung or an Apple, just straight up. That's kind of like the only two phones anybody sells anymore, except Verizon has the pixel in store. And I think they actually do, um, they have, um, the droid series, which some people are really into the droid series cause Motorola is a thing, I guess for some people, but, um, the LG, it looks basically like exactly, almost exactly like the Samsung's gonna look this year, but it's gonna come out first. So they're gonna say the Samsung stole the design from them. But like spec to spec, lining up, it's just not even close. Uh, the the Galaxy has a better screen quality, better processor. Like you said, they bought all of them, so better screen quality, better processor, just better everything really. Except that quad DAC, that quad DAC is dope.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that it's it you know, like Dominique said, I, I have to agree, LG doesn't have the brand recognition to and nor the quality uh that I think that Samsung will be able to continue to have. Um it does look nice, you know, it can get wet, you know, that's the new thing now, get wet, it's got a better, you know, like you said, a wider angle for pictures. It has some you know, where the pictures you can take tricks with it, uh has kind of like some um uh, filters in in it already, the five me- megapixel camera, but I don't think that it it's enough to to pull anyone away from Samsung or definitely not anyone away from iPhone. You know, I'm definitely an iPhone user and it's not enough to make me leave iPhone, so my vote would be no.
0: Oh, poor LG. Well, speaking of another uh uh manufacturer that may not have the same recogni- name recognition, excuse me. Uh well, okay, yes they do. It's Sony. So Okay, so Sony does have name recognition for a lot of different things, especially PlayStation. But when it comes to smartphones, apparently Americans don't like Sony. <laughs> so, uh but, you know, they're they're still chugging along with uh with their new Xperia uh what is it? Xperia XZ Premium that they're coming out with. Now, so so when it comes to specs, Sony said, "All right, we're just going to throw the dishwasher and everything and they, they loaded this thing up with everything. So it has the Snapdragon 835. It has the world's first 5.5 inch 4k HDR screen. So for, for those, for those listeners who don't know what HDR is, HDR stands for high dynamic range. And basically it, on a more, on a very basic level, it allows for more vibrant colors. Uh, when you're, when you're viewing things. So it, things kind of pop, pop more on the screen. Uh, and it, it's, It's kind of used now more uh, on TVs right now, but apparently that technology is filtering down to smartphones. Uh, Here's the thing, though. It's a 4K screen, and you would think that being a 4K screen, you could use this with Google Daydream, which is their VR platform, but you can't. Why? Because it's an LCD technology and LCD by itself is not suitable for VR because the response time, the latency in LCD is still too low. And if you were to view something in VR on LCD, you'd probably throw up. So (laughs) uh, but, you know, regardless, a 4K screen, although in my opinion, a 4K screen on a phone that small is not really that that necessary. But hey, you know, you can put it in a in a marketing sheet. I guess it'll help cell phones, but uh, let's see, four years around. Yeah,
2: science. Uh, real quick, science tells us that we can't see, we can't determine the difference between 1080p and 4K or any of that stuff until, unless exactly. the screen is about 42 inches. Exactly. So, Um, anything like even those 32 inch TVs that are out there selling as 1080p, it's a marketing thing and it might generate 1080p, but you could sit it right next to a 720p of the same quality and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Most people can anyway.
0: Yeah, that's true. I remember when I bought my own TV, So I have two TVs. I have a, a Samsung that I bought way back in like 2010. It's a 720p. It's a 32 inch. And I knew at that time it would be no point in getting a 32 inch TV that was 1080p. One, because... Uh, you know, most people, most broadcasters don't even, you know, broadcast in in 1080p anyway. It's always in either in 1080i or which is 720p. So, uh, I didn't really see the point of it. So, I mean, like you said, it's it's a it's a it's a marketing thing. Hey, we have the first world world's first 4k HDR screen. So hey, spec junkies are gonna like it, I guess. Um, let's see uh it has an ip68 rating for dust and water resistance so you can uh so you know for all you people who like to text and snapchat on the toilet you are safe Uh, (laughs) let's see oh so all right one last thing i gotta talk about then we can then we can kind of talk about the uh the phone so sony has you know you all know sony is really into cameras right so they have a new camera in this phone called the motion eye it's a 19 megapixel camera and the 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 new thing about this is that it has fast memory baked right into the camera module and so it allows slow motion photography at, at uh what i'm saying is 960 frames per second at 720p so that's a lot of numbers and most people pro- are probably rolling their eyes like what does that mean i'm kind of rolling my eyes cuz i don't do smartphone photography photography like that but uh from what i hear i think that's the first on smartphones you usually only see that kind of performance on you know on a dslr or something uh, you see, it has laser autofocus, infrared sensor, and an updated image sensor. So, you know, on paper, this seems like a great phone, like it'll knock every single phone, you know, out the running. However, this is Sony, and when it comes to the US market, Sony is not that well known when it comes to the smartphones, even though the phones themselves are actually pretty good. But I don't know, you all, you know, you know, I guess it's kind of like the LG question do you all think sony (laughs) has any kind of chance against samsung
1: um uh, go ahead nah i honestly i don't think um sony has spent so much time in terms of marketing their other you know mainstream products in the u.s market that they've you know really neglected um, you know the cell phone market, and I think, it, in, I mean, there in that particular market, it's it's hard to recover from because you know things change so fast in the market in terms of products, in terms of you know advances. Um, it's I mean, it, and it's not like marketing for a game system or marketing for a specific thing that you know Sony has really. Um, really devoted the resources and the focus in the US market to do um, i am I, I mean i'm being a pessimist but i don't think they're going to be able to to compete you know even even though you know the Xperia devices are quality devices you know that you know i mean they were quality devices when when they certainly when Sony first started you know putting them out on the market they started doing different things in terms of integration with specific services that they have, um, but for the general user, you know, it's still something that you know it's not appealing to them. At least in you know in terms of the cell phone, in, in terms of the cell phone wars, you know. So it's it's definitely something that it's going to it's again it's going to take something really unique for them to you know to close the gap between the you know the big boys.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I wish there was a little bit more competition. I mean, there is competition in the Android space, but at least as far as the U.S. market, I think Dominique already said, you know, the only phone that most U.S. buyers really know about is the Galaxy. You know, uh, what when's the next Galaxy phone coming out? Not when the next Android phone is coming out. When is the next Galaxy phone coming out? So Samsung has kind of cornered the market uh, in a way when it comes to that. Now, that said... I think I I want now I wonder if what happened last year with the Galaxy Note 7 will or yeah, Note 7 or whatever it was. Uh I wonder if that might be some some, you know, crack in the armor or whatever, where LG and Sony or or even BlackBerry and Nokia can kind of, you know, wedgie in there and and kind of uh, get get consumers attention uh that might not happen in fact it probably won't happen but i guess we we will see
3: i i don't think it'll happen the only way i think something like that would dynamically shift in the market is if there's a big security breach one or two there's a great marketing campaign that shifts the attention from the consumer's needs to get them to just fall for the brand otherwise there's no way that they can you know get that market space back because to, to Herbert's point, to Dominique's point, you know, they have been out of the space so long you know, things are changing so fast it's not a way for them to recapture that uh, They're both of them might have to start at a targeted demographic and kind of gain some momentum from that to see, you know, but otherwise I don't think they're going to be able to come back especially with iPhone because people just love iPhone. I'm going to keep plugging iPhone until a new
0: iPhone comes out <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead <laughs> Alright, uh uh, I guess we can I guess we can we can switch on over uh to the uh <laughs> All right, that was a horrible Segway! That was that was a horrible, horrible pun. but
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're slipping, Dave? You're slipping, I, know,
0: I know I know, I know need, I I need to up my uh my, my, my comedy game, but so moving on, we all know March third was the official launch day of this Nintendo switch. Uh, apparently it, was, it sold out pretty well. Actually, uh, it's a lot of stores who had trouble keeping up with demand. Uh, and from from what I from what I've seen from early from early reviews, so I think it's been kind of a kind of a mixed bag. Like some of the some of the pros and cons I've seen were that the pros are that you know it's the most powerful handheld console or handheld console there is right now. You know. You're you're getting the Lesnar of Zelda Breath of the Wild on the go. You can't do that with anyone with anything else at the moment. I mean the Vita, the PlayStation Vita was pretty powerful at the time, but the Switch outclasses it handily. So, uh, let's see. I mean the as far as the versatility, you know, you can you can play with it obviously in handheld, you can plug it into the dock and play it on your TV. Uh you can take out the two little Joy Con things and, and play like that. You can if you don't like those little controllers, you can use the Pro controller or the little uh, the little grip that comes with it. Uh, you can network up to eight switches together to kind of play multiplayer games. Uh, I don't know how many people are going to actually do that, but you know that's an option. But here's the thing: uh, I think that the the price point of this. So, all right, so it costs three hundred dollars, which isn't bad. By itself, I mean, it comes with the console, the dock, the two Joy-Con, and the Joy-Con grip. But if you want a, a pro controller, that's an extra $70. If you want the actual Joy-Con charging grip, that's like $30. Uh, if you plan on downloading all your games, you need an SD card, it's gonna cost money, <laughs> so you're gonna be paying a little bit more than that $300, and that's not even including the game. So, I don't know, I mean. I mean, some of the, the other the early reviews seem pretty positive. Although uh, IGN actually demolished it, I, I was surprised. I was like, "Wow, IGN—they crapped all over the uh <laughs> the Switch." But um, but you know, uh, I need some opinions. You all think it's gonna gonna take off? So, well, go ahead,
1: Dominic, uses, man. Go ahead, man.
2: <laughs> it uses cartridges, man. That's crazy. Number one, uh, the, I, well, the cartridges, I, so I heard from the guys on The Verge, they actually had one hands-on to uh, review, and they were saying that um, there was no online multiplayer, it's supposed to be coming soon, but there's no friend codes or no way to like link with anybody. It uses cartridges or SD cards if you want to, because it's only got 32 gigs built in, and The Legend of Zelda, which is like the only real game on it right now, which is another flaw. Uh, but it's the, they have that. Um, that's a 25 gig game. So you can't even like download two games off the rip on the thing as it's built. So like you said, even though the $300 price point is not bad for you to actually use it as a real console or if it's even going to try to get close to competing with Microsoft and um, Sony, you're going to have to spend another two or three hundred dollars. And again, there's only one game on it right now. So I don't know. I don't know what y'all think.
1: Well, this is what... This is the problem I have with Nintendo, man. And they do this every time they release a console. You know, instead of really sticking with the niche that they target, which is, you know, folks that grew up on Nintendo, the nostalgia that some of the games brought, um, they really... They don't. They don't necessarily get that they can't go. They can't really go head up in terms of spec per console. Now the Switch, um, I mean, from an innovation standpoint, is great in my opinion. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it's got a lot of potential to really, to really fill, allow Nintendo to fill their own niche in terms of gamers, as opposed to what it's been trying to do the last couple of iterations of a of a system. But again, some of the limitations that the that the you know, that they that they kinda overlook. First, if you're gonna bring something to market, you have to have the relationship for games. You know, I mean Sony learned this one cycle the hard way. Xbox One learned this more hard way, or, or rather Xbox rather, or Microsoft rather learned it the hard way on one cycle where, you know, they brought something to market and didn't have a relationship game wise that they should have and they got blasted the first quarter, you know. Um, say i mean nintendo does this every time in the american market and you know for folks that want to give nintendo a chance and then they see the lineups come out or the fact that there are hardware limitations or the fact that you know there's no there's there's not really a network environment or infrastructure that people that gamers can download stuff from you know it's it's a killjoy, man it's just something that you know as a gamer you know, you're looking to see what Nintendo can bring to the table. It's like, man, I might as well just have a Sega or something. You know, uh, that's just, it, you know, it's something that I I don't know when they're going to learn their lesson unless, it's, you know, the lesson's going to be them being completely out of the American market. I, I just don't know. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just... I
2: don't, I don't think they can ever actually exit the uh, American market just because of their their first-party games are good enough to keep them in the market. Like, people are buying this thing at $300 just for zelda and there's no other console except for you i guess you could say call of duty uh call of duty might be the only other franchise and maybe halo uh that can sell a console and by that i mean like there's nothing like mario hasn't even been announced we have no trailers for mario we have no trailers for their mario party like there's nothing on this console that is even remotely in the direction of a full uh, like a blockbuster game and they sold every single switch in america On the day it
1: launched. Oh, oh, I absolutely agree, man. And like I said, you know, it would be one thing if, for example, let's say the switch, you know, released, you know, you know, went to market and had a service where you could play some of your some of the nostalgic games from past Nintendo systems, you know, like from GameCube systems, from you know, Nintendo sixty four, Perfect Dark, stuff like that, that you could actually access and play, you know um it doesn't necessarily have to be a targeted third you know targeted main i mean they can get away with it in terms of not having a main platform game that that the other you know that the other big boys have but they have to commit completely to doing something else and they never do that ever in any sort any cycle you know so it's just like okay you know uh it's it's crazy you know, it's like, okay, what's the point? The device is really cool, but you don't have anything to play on it.
2: Um, yeah, but well, I, I I'm saying it it. is, I feel like Zelda is that something to play. Like, from what I've been told, uh, from what I've read about it, I mean, I should say, um, it's like, a, it's like a, a good blend of Skyrim, which is one of the greatest games of all time, and Zelda. And, like, they, they, they don't hold your hand through it. It's like a, it's a very, like... I don't know it's a it's a game you can drop 300 hours into and so 300 hours is hopefully for Nintendo's sake at 300 hours of gameplay is enough to get me to the next uh, the next big launch because you know this is not going to replace anybody's Xbox or, Xbox or PlayStation but it'll be something that people will cut on and play when they're, you know, when they got time, you know, when they got some free time in their hands, like, I don't know what I should play. Oh, let me play Zelda. And you can drop four or five hours into it. And as a gamer, you know, anything any, like if, if I got to go buy a console to get a game I really want, I'll go buy the console because I'm going to buy a Switch just because the reviews for Zelda were so good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that outside of the outside of the games. Which Nintendo themselves had kind of missed a huge opportunity here with that, you know, with that retro, uh, retro crowd with the the virtual console. I mean, imagine if they would have launched the virtual console with the Switch. Imagine if you could play, you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild and also play the original Zelda on NES, you know, at the same time. And then they had this Kakamami online service, which isn't even out. But then at the same time, when it does come out, uh, you can only download like one NES or SNES game per month. And then when that month is over, you can't even keep the darn game. So uh, it's like, what's, uh, you know, a lot of people are buying this thing now for the potential that it has. But I hope that it, this isn't a one-time thing. And Nintendo really needs, to, really needs to deliver one on the games. Now, I will say, they did, they did uh, show a Mario Odyssey trailer earlier the, uh, last year, I think. Oh, oh uh, no, in January when they had their their uh, event. They actually did show a trailer for Mario Odyssey. It looked kind of weird because they showed Mario was, like, real people and stuff. But uh, they did show that. So, I mean, there there's that. But Nintendo really needs to get out on this and not... Well, I will say not make the same mistakes, but but you know they're making the same mistakes, like like Herb said.
2: Yeah, yeah. and also they need to. Uh, th- it doesn't have Netflix support, and I just you can't be the best. <laughs> yeah, that's I, you yeah. can't be a mobile platform when I can't. I, I can. You can only. The only thing I can do with it is play a game. Like I don't know. It's they, they they did drop the ball, and I don't know if they have their Nintendo America division or the corporate the America side of that company. They're failing. Because they're not meeting their audience, they're not like they're not in tune with their audience's needs. Because this audience, Americans, are media consumers.
1: Yeah. Um, well, real quick, I'd like to apologize for the kid in the background that was crying because evidently that kid got a switch and he was really disappointed. So um, yeah, <laughs> that's how the American audience thats how the American audience feels.
0: That was like that was like the perfect that was like the perfect little. Uh, Interruption right there. That was that's perfect.
1: Exact, yeah, that's exactly how that's exactly how gamers in the American audience feel whenever they see a Nintendo product hit the market, because there's a lot of potential to it. You know, it, gaming is more than potential. I mean, at point blank, you know, it's just something that uh, it, it it's just you know it it comes with the territory, and you just cannot. You know, just like, a, you know, and just like, a, you know, our colleague just said, you know, you, that's just like, you know, releasing a, a gaming system, you know, to the market, not understanding that console gaming is not just console gaming anymore. You know, they're universal systems that you can use for streaming, that you can use for anything. So that, you know, I mean, again, Nintendo, I mean, Nintendo gets gets beat down in you know, quarterly sales every time they do this. And it's just like, okay, well, what is corporate Nintendo really doing? I mean, are they sniffing glue or what? I mean, what exactly are they doing at their results and looking at their audience and seeing, you know, exactly why they aren't selling the way they should? Or is it just arrogance that, okay, well, we can just rely on our name and what we've done in the past in regards to getting back in the game. So... Yeah, I, I'm with I'm with everybody else, man. Like I
2: said, I'm like kid. it's that arrogance, dude. They feel like they feel so, like, hey, man, we could just drop a Zelda, we could just drop a, a Mario Party once a, you know, it's, it's only gonna be one this generation. It's only gonna be one good Mario game, maybe two, one Zelda, one Star Fox, maybe if there's a God. There, you know, there's only gonna be a couple. Like good games that drop, but we are all going to buy the system, and that's that's why they know they got us because it's Nintendo.
0: So, do you all think that that uh, third party developers are going to finally make some decent games? I mean, we saw NBA Two K, uh, we saw Skyrim that's supposed to come out, but I actually heard that that uh I think it's from software I think they're the ones who make it. I don't know. I think I read somewhere that they were testing Dark Souls 3 on the Switch. I'm like, "Wait, really? Dark Souls 3?" But I don't know. I mean, right now, you know, Zelda is the really the one that's selling the system. And to be fair, from what I've seen the reviews of Zelda and I'm hearing this is like the best Zelda in like 10 years. Like this is by far like Nintendo knocked it out of the park when it comes to Zelda. But, you know, Zelda isn't the only; <laughs> it can't be the only game you play on the entire system. So, we're gonna need those third parties, and I just di- I- I'm hoping, I'm wondering if they're even going to, you know, see the see the value in developing for the Switch because the Wii U was so horrible.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, so history says that they won't, and history also says that Nintendo will still survive as a company just because of their huge first party support but they won't grow their market share won't grow the company it's not like you know as a gamers it's not like they're going to gain more ground with us because they won't do what we need them to do for them to, for it
0: to be our primary system right alright so alright listeners we're going to take a take a small break but when we return we're going to chop it up Keep a lot here to the Black Techies podcast. Hey guys, this is David with the Black Techies. Is there something wrong with your computer? Or do you think you have a virus? Don't worry. Pi Technology LLC is a black-owned Full service IT consulting and computer repair company. They provide services from data backup, screen replacements, and virus removals. They can service any device from PCs, laptops, tablets, and yes, even MacBooks. The in home technicians will come to you if you are located within the DC metro area, but don't worry if you're not, they still offer remote support for software and sales needs. If you have any questions, please contact them at 202-670-8524 or you can email them at L C at gmail.com. You have been listening to the Black Techies Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Black Techies Podcast. It's time to chop it up. This episode's topic is about cutting the cord. If you didn't know, cutting the cord is basically getting rid of your cable or satellite provider and relying solely on streaming services like Netflix and Hulu. Unfortunately, I kind of have a confession. I forgot to record the first 10 to 15 minutes of the discussion. I know, I know, I'm a horrible, horrible person. However, all is not lost. I was able to record the last 20 minutes, which was still a very meaty discussion. So sit back and enjoy as we chop it up.
1: So oh, yeah, I mean uh, there are even cable companies now that are trying to that are trying to really be slick in terms of trying to get around that. Like uh, for example, uh, there's a new um, there's a new service provider that's kind of introduced themselves in this area, working out of Denver, Colorado, called Layer Three. And essentially, what those guys do. Um, uh, they they really work they work on the same backbones that same backbones that Cox and Verizon and and those folks work on but they provide their own service and that's all it's all internet based uh, it's a closed system but it's working off of the you know, the last leg of that of 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 that transaction is working you know with those other companies um, and even with that you're you're working against the same type of deal you know in terms of data caps most data caps. Top out at like maybe what, uh, one terabyte. I think is I think Comcast is one terabyte depending on where you are in this in this area. Yeah, most. Of um, them. RC, yeah, RCN is really horrible in the district. My dad has RCN, and he you know he's you know he's he's just like okay, forget it. I'll just pirate everything. I'm going to Cody. He's old school, so. Uh <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I had to, you know, really kind of get on him about it because it's just like, okay, well, Pop, you can't really, you know, just, you know, go willy-nilly to the Pirate Bay and, and just get movies because you just discovered it. So uh, it's, you know, that's the real challenge. And uh, just like uh, Dave, you know, touched on, net neutrality has a lot to do with this. And, in fact, it's going to really... It's- Really essential in terms of whether the cord cutting movement is going to go forward and we're going to really be able to break up monopolies or if it's going to die or if it's going to you know really be curtailed because um if that isn't resolved and it's not resolved in the way that it should be for you know people that want to court the court or, or hold cable companies accountable you know it, you're you're going to see the results of it and it's going to be you know the cable industry. You know they're going to pay for it one way or the other. Um, either they're going to pay for it in terms of loosening their grip on the monopolies that they have, pay for it and lost customers and customer and user base. So um, you know, yeah, especially you know, even now with with the you know the fire the, the fire stick you know fire stick nation out there, and you know folks that have Cody like me personally, I have a Cody box. Um, but you know, mostly, I mean, you know, you got plugins that that really don't. Um, I have plugins that I don't touch <laughs> simply because you you don't know what you're gonna get. I know Exodus is out there now. Exodus is kind of cleaned things up a little bit in terms of where they get their sourcing from. But yeah, you're you're running a risk, and they're starting to crack. You know, certain service providers are starting to crack down VIP address. So. Mm-hmm yeah but you can always uh
2: you can always just use a proxy um if you're savvy you can get around that part of it the problem is like for those of us who like sports and like them live what is your reliable way of watching the cowboys when they're on tv you know what i'm saying
1: well i I think um uh you know again we go back to trusty cody and we go to you know um we go to some of the services like sports devil for example um, some of the streams that you get from Sports Devil, depending on the country that you get them from, are you know, you can get them legally because there's not really any type of you know, any type of agreement between this country and state where, you know you yep. get a stream from Russia that covers everything. Um, I'm not uh,
2: I'm not a lawyer. I, do I don't that. care about the legalities of it. I'm asking like reliability, like like when I, I use Cody and I use Sports Devil, and I promise you it don't matter which link you pick, which mirror you pick, it never fails. That when the game is good, it
1: fails. <laughs> Well, unfortunately with Cody and and Sports Devil and, and, and some of those other plugins, that's the risk you run. And especially when when you're not dealing with American based servers or you're dealing with the overseas, you know, overseas streams and, and sources, you know, unless you're dealing with Sky Sports or something like that, then you're you're you know, you're you're rolling the dice, yeah. I mean, I know. I trust me. You know, I've been there. You know, especially during the NFL season, and I'm trying to catch out of market games. That's you know, without getting a ticket, which is a whole nother story. In terms of PlayStation, I'm not even going to get into that. Just.
0: So, but so, I, so basically, you all are admitting to piracy on. On national radio? No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> no, <laughs> no. All right. So actually, that actually kind of. Hey, leads- listen, y'all. President
2: don't pay taxes. I don't think he tripping about uh, Cody.
0: Uh- <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh man. I don't, I don't know about my president. Maybe y'all president. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, so actually, that that actually leads into a, uh, an interesting question, and I would actually like to get uh, get Shoot's opinion on this. So if you're using something like Cody. Uh, you know, to stream, to, to get streams of live TV and sports. I mean, you're not technically downloading it and you're not torrenting it. So is it considered illegal? Is, it, is there like a moral gray area there? <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I don't know. So let me
3: let me first say, uh, give a disclaimer that uh, I am not giving legal advice. I'm giving my professional opinion, and my personal opinion, um, based on my expertise of the law. Uh, this does not form any client attorney relationships. Uh, but to give you the answers, so that, there's a lot of traction right now. in Some committees with with the copyright law changing. Um, you may have remembered a couple of years ago when Taylor Swift wrote that open letter to Apple about not being paid for certain sound spins and different things like that. One of the things that they're changing the copyright law are how streaming services are, how people use using coding. So technically, it um, may not be considered illegal because of, you know, to Herb's point earlier, there's not a, an agreement between the two countries. Um, but the problem is, is that you have signed an agreement with your Internet service provider, which legally obligates you to only use it for certain purposes and not for anything illegal. Um, because every broadcast gives you a, co- a copyright at the bo- bottom of it. It lets you know that's a copyrighted broadcast. And if you're watching that through some other means, you've es- essentially violated it. So the, the, the problem is, is, be- is then how do you police that? Um, And to Herb's and and Dominique's point, you know, if you get a proxy or a VPN or something like that, it's harder to track it. Um, But again, that's what they're working on. And and, and sometimes the streams are taken down because they find out they have people that, you know, kind of that do IT in the NFL and with that stream because they they spend millions of dollars on it, billions of dollars um, to protect that. So they're, they are cracking down on it, and, and they're going to become few and far between, especially as everything is moving towards streaming. They're they're finding ways to regulate that and, and to figure out where streams are going and, and who's watching what.
0: Right. I think that's kind of yeah. interesting. I don't know. Go ahead. I've talked enough.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I agree with him. And I, like I said, I think, um, you know, I've been asked this question by a lot of folks. um inquiring about, you know, whether specific things on Cody are legal, you know, certain plugins are legal. Um, to be quite honest, you know, there I don't think there isn't a plugin that Cody contains that uh, has the potential, that doesn't have the potential to be a potential gray area in terms of legality, in terms of streaming. And that goes to, um, you know, that goes to our colleague's point in regards to the way copyright law is changing and the way that cable companies in particular um, are are starting to police specific things. Like, for example, um, I mean, I have a buddy of mine that that has Fios and, you know, work with a proxy just like, you know, just like we normally do. But, uh, you know, base, base IP, IPs and being able to determine where the actual service is coming from outside of a certain point can get you past a proxy. And uh, unfortunately, that's something that if you've got, you know, a well-versed, you know, technical IT staff working for these cable companies, you know, particularly in terms of being able to trace, you know, in terms of security, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a real, you know, that's a real issue. And that's something that, um, as somebody that's a very, you know, that's very uh, fond of cable cutting the cord, that's, that's one of the potential, you know, that's one of the potential drawbacks is that you have... Folks that are so frustrated with the services that cable is providing and not having enough viable options that people will go, you know, are like, OK, man, forget it. And, you, know, I, you know, I got this fire stick. I can get whatever I want. And um, like I said, there are certain events that are going to be harder to police than others. Like pay-per-view is almost impossible to get. Now, without being a, without it being traced, regardless of where you know, regardless of whether you're running you know running a proxy or not, because the stream is just not out there long enough. Um, mm-hmm. And if particularly if you deal with something somebody like the UFC or um, you know or or Showtime or HBO where they're very proprietary in terms of in terms of how they you know disseminate their service, um, yeah, you're you're, you're not going to see it until weeks you know weeks later. So. Uh that's a challenge. And now again that's something that um you know everybody that's interested in cutting the cord and using specific products to do so, you know, is gonna look at.
0: So then let me ask you as we uh, as we kinda wrap up. Uh all right, so you got YouTube TV, you got Sling TV, you got PlayStation View, you got uh Direct TV now. Do you all think that you know, internet streaming cable subscriptions is going to be the future? You know, versus either satellite or you know coaxial cable subscription. You know, is is it you know is is Comcast going to switch from or Xfinity going to switch from actually a literal coaxial cable or to just using the internet? And, and obviously, that's going to have bigger implications because then if everything becomes streaming over the internet, then you're going to run into data caps and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, uh, do you all think that? You know YouTube TV and all that do you think that is the future of cable subscriptions or you know how do you think TV is going to be in the future then
1: well um, to be quite honest with you I think it can be but that solely depends on on what happens with net neutrality and what happens with the cable companies in response to some of you know to the to movement to streaming because I mean, it, you've got so many competitors now starting to flood the market, you know, in terms of Hulu, YouTube, you know, uh, DirecTV Now. Um, you've got some regional folks like Pioneer and Charter that are providing or you know, uh, um, Atlanta Southwest that's providing their own streaming services regionally. Uh, I mean, it's really going to depend on how saturated the market gets. And, you know, again, what these cable companies and service providers do in response to Um, I mean, in this area, there's a, I mean, the movement, the movement's real because, you know, P I don't know, I haven't talked with anybody that has cable that isn't fed up with Comcast or Cox or a variety or a combination of any in between in terms of service providers for cable, um, whether it's hidden fees, whether it's price gouging, whether it's, you know, you know, having services and then not having services. Whether it's customer service, there's a lot that goes along with it. And I think that's one of the main reasons why a competitor like Layer 3 is kind of getting in and starting to get some of that market because literally, I know when I tested it out, um, you know those guys came to your door, they set everything up, their customer service was excellent all the way through the duration of it. And most, more importantly, there wasn't any sort of contract or hidden fees attached to it. And I think that's something, you know, that a lot of users look at. It's like, okay, well, I mean, I like Fios, but I don't want to be locked into a two-year contract. Or like, you know, Comcast, but, you know, I, I'm not fond of being in a contract. That's a, that's a big key. And that's one of the reasons why service providers like streaming services like, you know, PlayStation View, uh, Sling Television, and the like are able to get into that market because people can pay for what they want a la carte. It's also the same with, you know, individual service providers doing their own streaming services like HBO Now or Showtime Now or, you know, any number of of services that are doing their own thing, you know, at, you know, maybe $15, $20 a pop. Um, Again, no contracts, you know, nothing to lock you in. You know, you can pay for what you get a la carte. And that, that, I mean, the a la carte part is where, you know, cable service is going. You know, that's that's essentially the key right there is, you know, people get cable packages and they pay for a lot of stuff they don't necessarily watch. So yeah, I think
0: that's, that's the, I think that's the dream right there. Right. You know where, you know, I don't want to pay for 300 channels. I just want, you know, those. 50 channels that I watch all the time. How how about I just get those 50 channels? And so so I can actually vouch for layer 3. We actually use that now. Uh actually we actually used to use PlayStation View. Before and it actually worked out pretty well until uh, somehow there was some dispute between Viacom and Sony, and so Viacom yeah. took all their channels <laughs> off of PlayStation View. So now we can't watch Nickelodeon, BET, VH1, MTV. Like, really,
2: from everybody, yeah, I can't really. watch the Daily <laughs> Show.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, you, you're talking about somebody that was that was blown when you know Viacom pulled out. It's like just no, please. Please, I'm having fun, but yeah, the Dave's point in terms of layer three, layer three is legit, and I think um, the more markets that they open up in, and provide, you know, that sort of you know intermediary between you know regular cable services and streaming, the more the more of a dent they're going to make into that into that uh, into that niche. Um, it's really you know what they're really doing is is in this area in particular in such a short period of time is incredible because, for the longest, you know, you couldn't you couldn't even get into the district with RCN, you know, being there because they just you know they were the only game in town. The same thing with the you know with the surrounding you know with surrounding Maryland and Maryland, Virginia, Northern Virginia. Um, now you know if you don't want the service, if you don't want you know Comcast or 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 Verizon Files or Cox, you can say okay, yeah, just get the internet. And give layer, you know, you know, give layer three a call. Quality service. Now that's meant to really, you know, be a cable alternative, not necessarily just a streaming service. So I think people need to understand that about layer three is that, how can I put it? They're kind of a hybrid of the two. That you know, people that want a high end, high quality cable experience, socially integrated, but you know, they don't necessarily want to have the infrastructure that goes along with it that's what layer three does. So um, that's, um, you know, again, you know, like I said, speaking for this area, like I said, Dave can kind of vouch for it. Um, They're a real competitor and they're not just a competitor just to the cable services, but they're a real alternative in terms of, you know, not having to worry about getting multiple streaming services to get, you know, the, the TV package that you want. So um,
0: honestly, I got mine. I got mine because, well, when I went to try it out, I, it, it was something different and there's no contract. I can literally go to the website and click cancel and it's done. I don't have to worry about retention. I ain't gotta worry about t- talking to some person on the phone that's trying to convince me, Hey, how about you know, we reduce this bill I'm like, No, I just wanna cancel. <laughs> so that's actually one of what well, that was one of the main selling points for me so you know if you all can if you have a chance to get layer three unless you know unless you're fine with with who you have but i would highly recommend layer three TV to uh to anyone out there who not really help not really happy with your cable cable service yes sir uh
1: yeah yeah i concur (laughs) I, i mean i love it so um i mean and 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 it was sweet music to me to be able to tell, you know, Verizon and say, uh, yeah, that's okay. I'll just deal with the internet. Thank you. And, you know, I mean, just, that was just me just getting a lot of pleasure at, you know, hearing, you know, hearing customer service, trying to scramble, knowing that they were losing cut, losing, you know, a portion of their, of their, of their user base, uh, to another service. But yeah, it's a great alternative, man, you know, and it's, um, it's definitely something that other users could, you know, other people need to be,
0: be hip to. All right. So, oh no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: So my thing is, personally, it's worth whatever they're charging to be able to see my boys on TV on Sunday, and I feel like there's enough people like me to keep the uh, cord to keep winning. You know what I mean? Like, so as long as there's gonna be people like me who aren't gonna be okay with an occasional uh, lapse in 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 coverage. Just you know, sometimes it happens with streaming services. No. when the boys are on TV, the TV must be on, and the boys must be on that TV. So whatever needs to happen for that to happen. Now, once the streaming services get more reliable, and uh, once there's actual viable, um, you know, alternatives to the court, then I'll consider cutting it. But until then, I got to have, I got to have it. ESPN, I got to have it. And uh, if you don't have their TV services, you can't even use the ESPN, the Watch ESPN app. So unless you know somebody with a login,
1: so. Uh, well, if if them boys is referring to the Cowboys, then yeah, you need to have interruption of service because I'm a Redskins fan.
0: Uh oh. So. <laughs> <Uh-oh.
1: laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, to his point, so you know, I think it's also really um, that's a very good point, actually. I think there there is a demographic of people out there that, um, you know, for that specific purpose that not really sold on the technology just yet or the technology not to a point where service um, is where it needs to be in terms of, you know, in comparison to some of the cable services that are out there. Now, like I said, speaking for Layer 3, Layer 3 is there. And, I mean, like I said, it's not the reason why a lot of people haven't heard about it yet is because you know it's in limited, you know, they're in limited markets right now. But I mean, just straight internet service, you know, no no worse than HD quality. And you know, I mean, for the entire, you know, for the I've had layer three for almost seven, eight months, a month now since they used the beta, I haven't seen that was associated with the service. Now it was. Now if it was, you know, there was interruption associated with the internet service. Yes, you know, with Verizon, but with the actual layer three service, that thing has been impacted, and the picture quality has been, you know, incredible for it just to be an internet based, you know, system. So um, it's like, you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays.
0: It will be interesting for sure. Well, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for for the for the night. It's getting late, and I gotta get up early, as I'm sure many of you all have to. But to our listeners out there, thank you for listening. Uh, let's see. Oh, I have to announce before we go. We have officially unveiled, the, well, not unveiled, but uh, started uh, our webpage. So if you want to check out any more tech news, any more you know tech articles, uh, go to theblacktechies.com. And me, uh, Herb, and uh, another guy, outstanding techie guy, will be uh, writing a few articles on there. Uh, So please check out the website. If you want to contact me, I am on Twitter at at shortblktechie. And, yeah, so before we leave, uh, so before we leave, uh, does anyone is, does anyone have any have any uh, what some people call recos any, any recommendations? So I'll say you know I have I have, a, I have a PlayStation Four and so I'm going to recommend Horizon Zero Dawn. If you have a PS4, buy the game. If you don't have a PS4, buy a PS4 and then get Horizon Zero Dawn, play it and then sell it back. It's that good. Please go get this game. So that is my recommendation <laughs> and where you can reach me. So we'll start with uh, Dominique. You out there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, so
2: my, if you woke, if you woke AF like me, you want to play <laughs> Mafia Three because it's got a black protagonist and you get to uh, do a lot of uh, very cathartic things to people who are not so nice people. And uh, if you are just like if you're a gamer and you're in, the, you're looking for something new, a new different kind of challenge, uh, Smite and League of Legends. Smite is on Xbox. League of Legends is on PC. I recommend them strongly. It takes a little while to get into them, but they're one of the, they two of the biggest games on the planet right now, and I think everybody should try them. Not enough color, not enough representation for people of color on these platforms.
3: Say that.
1: Well, I think my reco. Um, I'm a gamer with a you know a couple of platforms, Xbox, Xbox One, PS4, um, but I've been getting back into the into the swing of being a pc gamer and um specifically space sims and um star citizen even from for the development stage of the game it's incredible um if you got them if you got the money to to kind of plunk down on the hardware or you got you know the hardware to to start buying modules and testing it out it's i mean it's it's incredible. I mean it's essentially open it's essentially open end environment universe that, you know, no man's sky is supposed to be, but with combat. And it's you know, like I said, I me mean, personally, if I'm in my basement and I got my three screens up in my cockpit, <laughs> I'm flying with squadron forty-two. You know, I mean it's 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 therapeutic, especially after day after a day's worth of work dealing with people that, you know, don't necessarily like to answer Questions or do things with common sense. So, uh, I hear that. Um, yeah, it's um, that would be my reco, especially as a you know as a PC gamer or so, you know or somebody that's looking to get back into PC gaming, um, and you're looking for you know grandiose, epic, you know environments, uh, intricate gameplay. That that's a start, and it's you know the cool thing about it is that it's still it's still evolving and it's still a dynamic environment that's being developed. So, um, that would be my recommendation.
0: All right, then
3: shoot. I'm, I know I'm the one that asked for this segment and I didn't come prepared with any recommendations. So I, uh, I don't have any for this week, uh, but I'm going to, uh, have some for next time. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no,
0: that's cool. All right. Well, so
2: before you go, because I know you're about to sign off, but I did it last week. I'm do it again <laughs> this week. I think it's gonna be my thing. Something uh bright that we can look forward to is that by the time
0: anybody hears this, maybe he won't be our president. Uh that's, that's gonna be our ending. All right. So on that note, you all have a great night. And to all the listeners, thank you for listening. Peace out.